I want to start by reading a few verses from Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Luke 22, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them that Kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you, as he that serveth. I ask you, beloved brethren, dear fellow Christian, to consider the setting of this little scene. We read the verses quite often that precede these verses. Often on a Lord's Day morning we read them, and I think sometimes it catches me by surprise to find out where that strife occurred. In the very shadow of the cross, after they had remembered the Lord in his death. After the Lord had brought before them the solemn truth that he was about to be offered as the Paschal Lamb, then there arose in that very moment a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the great greatest. Beloved brethren, our hearts are very subtle. Our hearts are very treacherous. And sometimes in the very time when we're gathered about the Lord Jesus to remember him in his death, there can arise in our hearts thoughts such as occupied the disciples at this time. Now the Lord says to them, that's the custom of the Gentiles around. But in verse 26, he says, but ye shall not be so. Ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the youngest, as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that does serve. What an example the Lord gave us. He says in verse 27, he ends the verse, But I am among you as he that serveth. The Lord of glory, the worthy one, come down in lowly love, serving among his disciples, 
among them as one that serveth. You know, the tendency to want to be great is an abominable thing that intrudes even into the sacred precincts of the assembly. And our hearts are such that we're no better than the disciples were. Those things that arose in their hearts are present in our hearts. And what will guard us to have before us that blessed one in his path, his lowly path of service? Now those are introductory verses to bring us over to a chapter in the Old Testament that illustrates this, I believe, in a wonderful way. In 1987, I believe it was, I was down in Lima, Peru. I hadn't been there for a good many years. And a number of the brethren went out to the airport with me uh, to escort me to the plane. It's a nice custom in Latin America. You go to there and you go to the airport and half the assembly comes out to the airport with you to see you off. It's quite a touching thing. But there's a dear brother, that time quite a young brother, an evangelist uh, by the name of Raul Chavez. One of my favorite brethren anywhere in the world. Very dear Inca brother who has one lung but devotes all the energy that he has to going up in the alturas and the high places to bring the gospel. And the Lord has used him in a remarkable way. But we were sitting there and we had a good bit of time to spend and I think even the plane was delayed and he opened his Bible and he said, Brother Dick, he said, what do you make of Judges chapter 9? And the parable of Jotham. Well, I had read it and had puzzled over it for years. And I gave him a few thoughts that I had, but as I flew out of Lima to <coughs> Bolivia, we had a couple of hour trip, and I sat there and I meditated on that chapter, on that parable during the flight. And the Lord gave me some very helpful thoughts for my own personal exercise. And it's those thoughts I'd like to share tonight. Judges chapter 9 and verse 7. <clears throat> Just as a background, the men of Shechem had gathered together and had made Abimelech the king. And verse 7 says, And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerizim, and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. 
the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness, wherewith by me they honor God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou, and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out from the, of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. I'm just going to stop there. There's a little more that Jotham has to say in explaining it to the children of Israel. But I believe in this parable we have an illustration of what the Lord was saying to his disciples in the 22nd chapter of Luke. Jotham stands on Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried, verse 7, and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. And I'd like to say this, beloved brethren. If we want to be heard by the Lord, we had better pay attention to what Jotham says in this parable. This parable, I believe, was given by God through Jotham to the men of Shechem. And he says, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. And I believe that part of the reason that we don't get answered prayer sometimes is that we have not hearkened unto the words of Jotham in this parable. Our pride, our desire for greatness, and our desire sometimes to promote someone over the others in the assembly is a real hindrance to answered prayer among us. And God lifted up Jotham's voice. And I have no doubt that it was God that spoke through Jotham. God would not give us a vain parable here and occupy this many verses if there was not some lesson for us to learn in it. Now he says in verse 8, the trees went forth on a time, or we might say once upon a time, 
to anoint a king over them. You know, the thought of man is that we need a king. Among the Lord's people, God has established the only king there needs to be. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything else in the way of appointing or anointing a king among us is just copying the nations around us, the sects around us. And yet that tendency is in our hearts, and it's on both sides. There's the tendency to want to be over the people of God. That's what's manifest in those verses we read in Luke 22. The strife among them, who should be the greatest. And there's the tendency on our part, the rest of us, to encourage that by having favorites and to elect kings among us. Oh, you say, no, we don't do that. Yes, we do. We do. And it's disastrous. If we begin to pick favorites among the people of God and set them up over the people of God, there's nothing but problems that are going to come out of it. Because anyone that sets himself up or is set up over the people of God is displacing the one that God has put over his people. God has anointed the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one. Now, I understand that we do not stand in relationship to him primarily in, as subjects to a king. I understand that. But the principle here is reigning over the people of God. And that's the problem. And there's a fair amount of it. And I see in my own soul. And I have to tell you, I was very thankful to Brother Raul Chavez for asking me that question because as I sat there and meditated on this scripture between Lima and, and uh, Cochabamba, I sat there in the plane and the Lord kept bringing home to me, why did he ask you that? Because there's a tendency in our hearts to want to be something among the people of God. And God hates that. And our prayers are not answered because we don't hearken to what Jotham has said. Hearken unto me, Jotham says, and God will hearken unto you. But if you don't, if you don't hearken, that gets in the way of answered prayer. Well, they pick their candidates. You know, I have brethren whose ministry I enjoy. And you have brethren that, whose ministry you enjoy. And they may not be the same people. And we were just talking tonight about a little bit about a brother we enjoyed, his ministry. And, uh, you know, there's a danger in that. There's a danger in it. Because we begin to set them and anoint them and elect them into a place that God never intended them to be. If God has someone that he's using among his people, that brother is a servant, a channel, and nothing more. And there's such a danger of elitism among humans and, 
and electing people. And I don't mean having a formal election, call the gathered saints together and say, now who's the one that's going to reign over us? No, we don't go that far, do we? But we do it in our hearts. We do it in our hearts. We say, I like brother so-and-so. Spanish have a nice name for brother so-and-so. They don't say so-and-so, they say fulano. Some brother. And it, it's a nice expression. Doesn't put anybody on the spot. But that's our hearts. So the trees went, and they said to the olive tree, Reign thou over us. You know, the olive produces oil, and it's very useful, and it's a symbol in Scripture of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a man who's anointed with the Holy Spirit. He has a measure of, of, of uh, obvious anointing that makes him have power, and God is honored by his ministry. But I want to tell you this. The moment he leaves that place to reign over the people of God, I don't care how useful a brother he is, and how good his ministry is, and how full of the Holy Spirit he is, he's leaving. That's what he says in verse 9. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me? What's the fatness of the olive? The oil. The oil. Should I leave the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my ministry in order to reign over the people of God instead of serving the people of God? You see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, one honors both God and man. But if we leave that, we might honor man, but we don't honor God. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I will not do it. If God has given me a spirit-anointed ministry, says the olive tree, should I leave that in order to be promoted or to be great over the trees, over the people of God? That would be a downward step for him, and he recognized it. It would be a downward step. Why? Because he would no longer honor God who has exalted the Lord Jesus Christ and given him the high place, the place of honor. And as soon as we go to be elected, promoted over the trees, you can bet that at that moment you're going to lose your usefulness among the people of God. When I use the word bet, I'm not talking about literally betting. I'm talking about a a figure of speech. You can guarantee, perhaps is the better way to say it, you can guarantee it. Well, the olive tree won't do it. What about the fig? The fig tree. Oh, the fig tree is for the healing of the nations, isn't it? And it, it's sweet. You know any fig trees in ministry among the Lord's people? Their ministry is sweet. It has a healing character among the Lord's people. There's a sweetness to the ministry. 
if we can't get this fellow that who's so evidently ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit among the Lord's people, maybe Satan would distract the one who has the healing ministry, the sweet ministry. Reign thou over us. Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Oh, dear one, if you've got a ministry of healing and of of sweetness among the Lord's people, there's nothing that will kill that, that like being great and being promoted over the people of God. Because the very sweetness comes from the humility of service. And the moment you accept a promotion to be great over the people of God, you're going to lose your sweetness and your good fruit. What a miserable choice that would be. Oh, the flesh would like that, wouldn't it? Oh, to be promoted over the trees, to walk in and have everybody say, there comes our pastor, there comes our teacher, there comes our so-and-so. No. Oh, may the Lord keep any one of us. And, you know, I'm, I'm addressing myself perhaps specifically to those who minister among the Lord's people. But, you know, that spirit, can it come up in sisters too? Can it come up in sisters? They want to be the chief one among the sisters. Yes, it can come up. It can come up. It's a special word to those who want to be useful among the Lord's people in ministry. And that's where the temptation is greatest. That's where the temptation is greatest. Watch sometimes at a conference and see, look at some of us up there and see if you don't see some of the the bramble in us coming out. It shows. And the saints aren't stupid. They recognize it too. They see it. But you know, sometimes we foster it, brethren. We take this brother whose ministry we enjoy, who's got the power of the whole evident power of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. He honors God and man by his ministry, and we promote him. And he forgets the pathway that the Lord has given him. And instead of being a useful servant of Christ, he becomes the leader of a division. He becomes a source of contention among the saints. Perhaps that's more the teacher in that olive. But then in the fig tree, perhaps we have more the pastoral work. Or the pastoral work. Sweetness, good fruit, healing. Several times in Scripture the fig is connected with healing. We need that ministry. Don't let, if the Lord has given you that, don't be distracted from it by any offers uh, of, of being great among the people of God.
Well, what about the, uh, is there no candidate? Do we have any other candidate? Yes. How about the vine? Verse 12, Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. Satan doesn't give up easily. If he can't get Brother A, the olive tree, then he'll try Brother B, the fig tree. And if he can't get the fig tree, then he's going to try the vine. Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, verse 13, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man? Oh, do you, ever, do you ever sit under a brother whose ministry just seems to bring joy to the hearts of the saints? He'd make a good one, wouldn't he, to be over the, the, the saints? That'd be a good one. We have so many brethren that bring sorrow among us, and so many that have come among us with a rod. Here comes one that, you know, he, he, he rejoices, God and man, with his ministry. That'd be a good one to make king over us, wouldn't it? No, no, no. He said, should I leave that which cheereth God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? No, it's a bad choice. It's a bad choice, beloved brethren. I don't care what your particular line of things is that the Lord has given you. And He's given to each His work. To each one His work. Every sister has a work. Every brother has a work to do. They're not all public gifts. But watch out for the ones that are public gifts because they're particular targets of the enemy. And we become the instruments of the enemy by having favorites among us. I've come away from a conference sometime and talked about meetings at the conference. And I've listened And you can always tell which ones is Brother A. He's always going to say, I enjoyed Brother Heinz Brinkman. Another one will say, I enjoyed Brother so-and-so. Another one will say, I enjoyed Chuck Hendricks. I enjoyed Bob Bauman, particularly. And that's our problem, isn't it? We have favorites among the people of God. Those brothers praise God for every instrument that God uses for the, for the blessing of His people. Praise the Lord for every brother anointed with the Spirit of God who can teach and, and in that teaching and ministry can honor God and man. Praise God for everyone who has a ministry of healing and good fruit and sweetness. That's wonderful. But is one over the other? Are not all ye brethren, the Lord Jesus says, one is your master, and all ye are brethren. But we like it, you know. And there's even a certain elitism, and I, I, I say it with a little bit of fear and trembling, brethren, but I, I feel that the Lord would have me say it and be faithful. There's a little bit of elitism in, in saying, he's, he's a laborer. He's a laborer. What does that mean? 
Does that mean Ken is not a laborer? Or Bill Brockmeyer is not a laborer? Or Larry's not a laborer? Well, that's what we do mean. But it's wrong. It's wrong. That's just one that the Lord maybe has, uh, has freed up from his daily work to do something a little more concentrated in the work. But is he over the others? But we have such a tendency toward that. Somebody dies and we say, there's no laboring brother to bury him. Call somebody from long, far away. Some of the best funerals I've ever been to have been where a local brother has taken the funeral. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, who, a brother who knew the brother and, or his sister and, and was able to give a little message that, that just nobody could have given that came from 3,000 miles away or 2,000 miles away. But we fall into it easily. We fall into it very easily, beloved brethren. And you know, sometimes I believe strongly in the open ministry meeting. I believe it's a scriptural meeting. I believe the giving up of it has been a shame. But I want to say this, that it's, a tum- it's also a time when people push themselves forward sometimes. Dear brother told me in the East, we ought to have two open meetings at every conference. One, so the brethren who think they have something to say can get it off their chest. And the other one, when those who really have a word from the Lord can speak. Shame on us. Shame on us. I remember a dear brother whose ministry I profited from immensely as a young man who had the gift of getting up between the A and the men of the prayer in the open meeting so he could walk that long gauntlet down to the platform and get up on the platform. I sometimes wonder if public address systems haven't spoiled the simplicity of standing up in your seat and ministering. And the dear brother who's scared to death to walk the gauntlet but has a ministry from the Lord, we can't hear from him because he's afraid to walk that long distance down to the platform. Those are practical things, brethren. I I don't mean to be funny or... But sometimes we don't speak enough about the the little dangers that Satan brings in among us that distract us from the simplicity that the Lord has gathered us to. And we fall into a clergy system very quickly. Very quickly. Well, those three have turned down the job. Does Satan quit there? No. Satan doesn't quit there. He has his candidate. He has one that's going to accept the election. And what sort of a plant is it? Then said, verse 14, then said all the trees unto the bramble or the thorn, come thou and reign over us. Now it's instructive that it's the bramble. The bramble is full of thorns and it's the direct result of the curse in operation. And that's the one 
that Satan is able to convince to take the place of leadership. You know, it's a heartbreaking thing, but often that's what happens. Is that one who is self-exalting, where does that come from? That's the curse. That's part of man's sinfulness that he wants to be great. In Scripture, <clears throat> what a contrast when the Lord Jesus speaks in the Song of Songs uh, and uh, one is attracted to sit under his shadow with great delight. But here is one who is extending his influence. He says, come on, come under my influence. Trust in my shadow. Trust in my shadow. And you know, God is faithful. He does not allow um, many of these candidates to appear if we're walking with him. But there's always the one that's ready. The Lord who knows the hearts knows what you're in your heart and mind. Whether it's a path of true service to the Lord Jesus Christ or whether it's self-exaltation. Whether we're trying to arise among the people of God to draw away the disciples after us. Not after Christ, after us. Trust in my shadow. But you know, he has a condition. He says, if you don't elect me, what a spirit, he says, if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. You know, it's heartbreaking, beloved brethren, that in our history, and I've only been gathered for 40 years now, but as I look back over that time, I can remember brambles that have arisen and fire has come out when their leadership was refused, when, when nobody was willing to sit or very few were willing to sit under their shadow. Fire has come out and devoured even the cedars of Lebanon. Even those stalwart ones that are planted by the Lord are sometimes devoured by the fire of the bramble. It's a solemn thing, isn't it? But that's your heart and mine. Sometimes, beloved brethren, we make a great mistake. The Lord begins to use a young brother. There was a very dear brother up in Massachusetts who was mightily used of God in the gospel. But I remember Otto Klassen saying, take it easy, take it easy. He said, you're going to ruin that brother if you're not careful. But nobody paid much attention to him. And it wasn't that Otto Klassen didn't love him. He did very much, and he was very friendly with him. But he was worried, and he warned us about it. And the dear brother was useful. A tremendous gospel preacher. Had 
many, many passages of Scripture committed to memory, many gospel hymns that he could recite verbatim. But there came that spirit of wanting to be something. Where is he today? Pastor in a Christian Reformed church. All right, he's reigning. But what has he lost? And what have we lost? And you and I can think of, I just mentioned one illustration, but as we think of the years over which we've lived, some few, some many, we probably can think of various ones that the Lord used in a remarkable way. And what happened? He came down from the platform and everybody patted him on the back and said that was a wonderful message. Very few brothers can stand that. There are few. There are few that need it, and the Lord can give discernment to the ones that need it, uh, to us as to which ones need it, that we can say a little word that will encourage them. It's the one who the last thing in his mind would be ever to reign over the people of God. He may need a little encouragement when he comes down off the platform. But I know myself, it's the most dangerous thing in the world to hear. Brother, I enjoyed that word. That was a good word you gave. It's setting him up to be the bramble. Hearken unto me, Jotham says, Ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. And I want to ask you tonight, I'm going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to finish early tonight. But I, before I do, I just want to say, have you, have I hearkened unto Jotham's parable tonight? Have we listened to what he had to say? Have we gotten the lesson do we understand that if there's usefulness for God, we can't afford to leave that for some place of being promoted over the people of God? God hates that. Because every promotion of me among the people of God displaces God's beloved Son, His anointed one. And God is a jealous God. He's jealous for the glory of His beloved Son. He wants Him to have the first place in all things. I love going into the Lima meeting room because the first thing you see on the wall when you come in in Lima, Peru, is that in all things He might have the preeminence. It's easy to forget when we're sitting here, isn't it? Maybe you don't have a problem, I do. It's easy to forget. And either we have favorites or we want to be the favorite. And so we say things, we look around and we see, oh, that brother smiled when I said that. Yeah, I'll just say a little more like that because I want him on my side. Very few of us will say what the Lord has put on our heart without a regard for what others think. And I'm not saying that 
as looking at somebody else and saying, oh, they've got that problem. I don't. There are a few brothers that have no audience contact at all. They just get up and say what they have to say, and they don't look at anybody at all. But uh, those who do look around, there's a temptation, you know, to try to please men, to want to be elected, promoted, king, over the people of God. God help us, beloved brethren, sisters too, not to make kings nor to be kings. The world is full of that king-making thing. It goes on in every business. It goes on in politics. I just recently read an autobiography of Dan Quayle. I was very curious to see what made him tick. It was very interesting. But he obviously was made vice president by various people working together to get him into that position. And that's not to put the man down, but it's simply to say that that's the way of the world. It's not. When we come in that door, there's a totally different principle that should activate us. And not only when we come in the door, but when we, when we take our place among the people of God. Only one is worthy to reign over us. Only one is our head. Let us never, no matter how useful we might be in ministry, no matter how useful we might think a brother or sister to be, let us never make them kings over the people of God because they'll leave their power. They'll leave their sweetness. They'll leave the joy in order to reign over the people of God. And oh, do be careful about brambles, beloved brethren. There's a little of the bramble in every one of us. Because while we have a new nature from God that delights in that which God sets out in His Word, there is still within us that which responds to Satan's trap to put us in the place the Lord never intended us to be. Let's read again to close those few verses in Luke 22. And remember again the scene at which they were uttered. I might just point out, I do recognize that Luke does not give a strict chronological order. He gives us moral order, but that adds all the more to what I'm saying here. In other words, this scene may have not come where it comes in the text chronologically, but it comes morally there. That's where it comes morally. Where? Right after the institution of the remembrance of the Lord right after the Lord's setting out, uh, as he did, the, himself as the Paschal Lamb, right after he had said, This do in remembrance of me. Verse 24, And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. 
And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. That's their way. That's their way. That's the whole system round about us. Lordship, bosses, and we better be subject to them when they're there. But they have no place in God's assembly. Is there rule in God's assembly? Yes, there's rule. But there's no kingship. There's only one king. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. Is that what it says? Ye shall not be so. God doesn't want that. The Lord Jesus doesn't want that among his own. It doesn't belong there. He doesn't say we're to go out and change the world and eliminate that principle in the world. No. That's how the world operates. But among ourselves, beloved brethren, it shall not be that way. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. There have been some very dear brethren that have ministered and served among the people of God who just breathe service with every step that they took. I won't name them because I'm not in the business of, of appointing people uh, favorites among the people of God because what may have appealed to you may not appeal to me. But there have been some that were real examples to me as a young man of humility in service. One who, in spite of being perhaps very great in the things of God, was just like one of the younger. And he that is chief, as he that does serve. Real leadership among the people of God, beloved brethren, is in service. Serving them. That's God's order. That's the Lord Jesus' path. That's what he came down here to do. He came down here and it's all oh, it's so wonderful. It says in the 13th of John, when he knew that all things had been given into his hands, everything had been given into his hands, he took a towel. What was his first act? To take a towel and gird himself. And get down and wash the feet of his brethren. What an example. Everything committed into his hands. And he takes a towel in his hands. The one who had seven stars in his hands in Revelation. We see him with a towel, girded with a towel and serving his own. And he delighted to do it. He didn't just say, well, i got to do that because that's the right principle. It was his joy to do it. His, his joy, his perfect joy to serve his people. And I just ask your heart and mind tonight, is it our joy to serve the people of God? Don't worry about being chief. Be as one that serves. And so the Lord says in the end of verse 
27. That's what I want to close with. I am among you as one that serves. That's our Lord. That's the only one who's worthy to be king or chief over us. And he says, I am among you as one that serves. May the Lord implant that spirit in every heart here tonight. First starting with this brother. And may it be in every one of us. That spirit of self laying aside ourselves in order to get at his blessed feet and to learn of him and to take that lowly path of service by which he honored God when he was here. There'll be joy among us, beloved brethren. There'll be power among us. And our prayers will be heard. God will hear us when we pray. What gets in the way of it? Pride, self-will, wanting to be something among the people of God. That gets in the way of answered prayer. So Jotham said to them, Hear, O men of Shechem, hearken unto me, and God will hearken unto you. I am among you as he that serveth. Let's sing 174.